0: Good morning, church. How are we doing this wonderful, warm Sabbath morning? You know what I like is the fact that uh, it isn't snowing yet. So, you know, I'm thankful for that. So I heard this story about a prosperous banker and he was driving his brand-new Lamborghini yeah, ooh, 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 on this mountain road and as snow began to fall and the roads began to get icy and he lost control in a sharp turn, sliding off the road toward this deep precipice. The last very moment, he was able to unbuckle his seatbelt and flung the, the door open and leaped out. And he watched his Lamborghini tumble down the ravine, bursts into a ball of flame. He luckily escaped with his life But what he didn't realize was that his arm had been caught in the hinge and it had turned off his shoulder. The trucker had seen the whole thing and uh, just from his rearview mirror and was able to pull over to the side. And he ran to give some help and all he could hear was this guy going, My Lamborghini, my Lamborghini, oh no, my Lamborghini. And the banker pointed on his shoulder and he said, "Uh, I think you got bigger problems than that. And the guy looked at his shoulder and he's like, I was wearing a Rolex, I was wearing a Rolex, oh no, my Rolex. I love this quote by Roy Disney, it says, when your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. Or oh, becomes easier. Let's <laughs> sure what happened there. <laughs> but it's so true. It is so absolutely true. When your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes clear. Part of the problem today is that a lot of people have never really thought about what their personal values are, what their organizational values are, what their their church values are. And so they're just kind of going and going and going and not really realizing where the wind is taking them. Values drive us. They are the vehicle that gets, to our, gets us to our destination. It gets us to our purpose. Our values propel us toward an intentional ministry. Without values, we are merely puppets. Are you following what I'm saying here? Without values, we are controlled by, our, by the circumstances around us, by the environment around us. Without values, we are like a ship without a rudder And the wind blows, and we just move, but we don't know where we're moving. Maybe we left the port to go somewhere, but all of a sudden realize we didn't have any rudder, and we don't know where we're going, we don't know what to do and how to make that work. We have no way of controlling where we are going. We may want to get somewhere, but without values, we are at the whims of unpredictable fates. And so as a church, we have decided to fulfill God's destination for us, guided by a set of values. You've seen the poster. We've talked about it. We, we started last week this series on our values, and this poster is all over. If you haven't seen it yet, you should go around and, 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 and memorize what it says, because I've been spot-checking people. I've been going up to people and saying, okay, so what is our why? Why do we do what we do? It's right there on the bottom. I want you to memorize that why. I want you to think about that why. We believe Jesus enriches our lives beyond our imagination, and our purpose is to accept like Jesus, serve like Jesus, and love like Jesus. I mean we have to, we we should be able to walk up to somebody and when they come up to us and they say why do you exist? Oh, let me tell you why. Cuz I believe Jesus can enrich your life beyond your imagination. And my purpose and my church's purpose is to accept you, serve you and love you like Jesus. How easy is that? And last week We started with mission-mindedness, and this week we're going to talk about solidarity, thriving together. Notice, by the way, it doesn't say striving together. It says what? Thriving together. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church that thrives. And the only way that we can thrive, no matter how good our rudder is, by the way, is if Jesus is the pilot of the ship. Jesus is the captain. I love this church because it is that way here, and I love that. And so we're going to do church together. We're going to thrive together. I I love this, this quote from the wisest man that ever lived. It says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. Today we would use the word stupid. I observed something really stupid under the sun. And then this is what he says. This is the case of a man who was all alone. See, when God created man, he said, it is not good for a man to be what? Alone. And it wasn't just so that he can have a wife. The whole point was so that we would become a community, Because Jesus is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a trinity. He's a triune God. And that community is part of who he is. And that is what he wants to pass on to us. That's why God created us. Because he longs for community. He longs for us to work together, to thrive together, to be together. Because together we can do epic. Two people, he says are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can what? Reach out and help. I've seen that happen in this church. I see this happen quite a bit, where people fall. I'm not talking about necessarily physically fall, although that I've seen too. And they, they reach out and help. I, 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 last year, during one of those... Rare (laughs) snowstorms. There was ice all over the road. And I ventured out just across the street. This is my house, my road, across the street. Because the plows work so well in this part of town. To go get my mail, and I did it very carefully. Just, you know. The a patch, you know. And I finally got to where the mail was. And I got the mail. And then I turned. I was still doing good. And I began to walk very carefully. But then something, I guess, in the mail caught my eye. I'm not sure what happened. All I know is the next thing I know, I went and bam, fell on my back. My head went Still going to the chiropractor for that. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh no. It was cold. I, didn't, I wasn't wearing a jacket because I was just going to get the mail. I mean, you know. And so now I am trying to get up. Now, mind you, somebody that's horizontally gifted as I am. It's hard to get up from a regular carpeted floor where you have plenty of traction. You shouldn't be laughing right now. Just by the way, this is not a good thing to be laughing right now. But I bet you would have been laughing if you would have looked out the window and watched me try to get up in the ice. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is a good time to return. Right now, this is it, because <laughs> I don't think I'm getting up. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in the good place. And I'm actually thinking, I'm going to die out here. And and I'm looking around to see if any neighbor's looking out the window, and I'm, you know, trying to wave, and I'm trying to get my head because it was hurting me, and. And this guy pulls up in this car and he's, he's there, I guess, with his wife. And he, he comes out and he goes, are you okay? Can I help you? I'm like, please. <laughs> and the next thing, I mean, the guy, the guy was really thin but very strong. And he's holding on to his car and he's going on to me and he gets me up and he walks me. Like, I better walk you. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic, and I'm thankful that there are people that can pick us up when we fall. But not just physically. I'm thankful that there are people that can pick us up when we fall spiritually. I am thankful when people can pick us up when we fall emotionally. And all of us are broken. Can I just be honest with you? Isn't that true? All of us are broken. Stop the act, really. There's no need for the act. All of us need each other. All of us need somebody to pick us up from time to time. Isn't that true? Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Trust me. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. I won't go too deep into this. But I I do want to challenge you to think about this way more than just sleeping in bed. I bet that what part of what King Solomon was saying is that when we are together, as iron sharpens iron and friction happens, there's a spark and there is warmth and there is something that can happen. We can put this world on fire. By myself, I cannot do it. I, I've told you this before. If you were to see me years from now and watch me go into an, an elevator and you're wondering, oh, that's Sergio, that's Pastor Sergio. I know. you used to teach leadership. And you would come to me and say, hey, do you remember me? And I'd be like, yeah, sure, of course I do. I don't remember your name because I'm really bad with names, but I remember your face. Yes, what can I do? And he goes, and, and you would say to me, you would say, can you teach me the most important thing about leadership? You know what I would say, don't you? Never do leadership alone never do ministry alone never ever 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 and then king solomon says but how can be how can one be warm alone a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer three are even better for a triple Triple braided cord is not easily broken. Isn't that awesome? When I was a kid, I used to love watching the three musketeers. Come on. Can I get some three musketeer fans in here, man? Bartanyan and and, uh, Cyrano, and I can't remember who the third guy was. and There was a fourth guy, actually. I don't know why they called him the three. But they had this saying. Do you remember the saying? All for one... And one for all. I love that. I think that that should be the motto of the church. Right? All for Jesus and Jesus for all. And all for us, each other, and uh, each other for all. I mean, that's what we should be all about. All for one and one for all. So, uh, so Jesus wanted to teach us something. Some years ago, I, I, I was, um, I can't remember where I was, but I was in some mall. Nancy was shopping. This was a big mall. I think we were in Arizona, actually. And they actually had a skating ring inside in Arizona. And so I was just kind of watching these people skate while I'm waiting for Nancy to shop. This could take some time. So I'm just kind of there, looking around, and, and I noticed there's this girl who is skating, holding this guy on a wheelchair. And I'm thinking, wow, how nice that this girl would skate around. This guy can't skate. He's in a wheelchair, right? And just kind of wheel him around and as he's, she's skating, and she's really going for it. And just, you could just see the smile on his face, and I'm thinking, Wow, you know, that's amazing. And then at one point I see her kind of take him to the side. And as, as she lets go, she begins to slip. And I begin to realize she needs him as much as he needed her. I read somewhere. Actually, no, actually, no I heard this from an old pastor by the name of Merlin Kretchmar, I'll never forget this. It's amazing what you remember, right? And he gave this illustration. He said, he, said he, had, he had seen this on National Geographic. He had heard this on National Geographic. He says, you know, if you get one lion fighting with one tiger, the lion will win nine out of ten times. But if you get 10 tigers and 10 lions, the tigers will win 9 out of 10 times. Because tigers know how to work together. I want to be like one of those tigers. I want to learn how to work together. The early church was urged to journey on this relentless pursuit of together, this great verse here. It says, when the feast of Pentecost came, this is right after Jesus had died and resurrected, and he was taken into heaven, and now they're waiting, and they're waiting, and it says, when the feast of Pentecost came, they were all what? In one place. All together in one place. I believe that that's not just geographically, by the way, but I believe that they're all in one place in purpose. I think they were all in one place. The Bible says all in one accord. I mean, there was total solidarity here. There was total camaraderie here. All in one place together. I believe God is waiting for his church to be all in the same place together. And I think this church is coming really close to God's dream for that. Because here's what happened then. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind. Gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through the ranks. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. How awesome is that? Have you ever wondered what it would take? for God to use you in a mighty way, what is God waiting for? Maybe he's waiting for us to stop trying to do it alone. Maybe God is waiting for us to do it together. Maybe God is waiting for us to be in one place together. Maybe God is waiting for us to, to, to celebrate and exemplify the type of unity that is rarely seen in this world today. And you hear it everywhere. You hear it in politics. You hear it in in churches. You hear it in in every situation in corporations. It's just over. It's it's ridiculous. What is going on? The word unity is really, it's kind of becoming an endangered word. This other verse, it says, there was an intense sense of what? What? Together, and this is just, just a chapter later. Among all who believed, they shared all their material possessions in trust. They sold any possessions and goods that did not benefit the community and used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified as they worshiped. They were unified as they worshipped. They were unified as they worshipped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. The new disciples praised God, and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their numbers everyone who, experienced, who was experiencing liberation. Are you catching what's going on here? Because they were together, because they had this self-sacrificing mentality, because they were in one place, in one accord, in one mindset. The mindset of Jesus, God said, this is a safe situation now. I can send people to them. God wants to do that for us. Do you believe that? I I am convinced of this. God is just waiting for us to come together. You're saying, but we are. We are to a lot. I'm I'm, I'm not going to argue that. We, We are doing good. But we could do better. How are we doing? So the early church urge to not allow the enemy with all his anti-community arsenal to interfere with the vision and pursuit of oneness. That was was Jesus' desire. In fact, Paul in uh, Ephesians writes, be humble, be gentle. Some of us could use... Some lessons in this, huh? Tolerate one another in an atmosphere thick with love. Oh. Make every effort to persevere the unity the Spirit has already created with peace binding you what? Together. See, by implications, Paul was saying that Christianity or a Christian community is filled with people who need to be tolerated, including myself. I need to be endured, right? I need people to treat me with humility and and with gentleness and with patience. Trust me. And I need to learn how to do that with you guys, There was a time when the church was not an institution. There was a time when the church was a movement. A time when it was fully devoted to embody the master's vision of John 13. By this, by this, all men will know. That you are my disciples. If you have what? Love for one another. By this. And anything I can do to encourage us towards this, I'm all in. And I need to be encouraged towards that. If we encourage and help each other, we can learn to love in a way that we've never thought possible. God is waiting for us to love each other and the community that way. And this is one of our values. There's this wonderful prayer that Jesus prayed we have it recorded in the book of John John 17 it says Jesus is praying and it's just right before he, he's about to uh, meet his destiny on the cross and he says Father may they all be what? one as you are in me and I am in you may they be in us This was Jesus' prayer. For by this unity, the world will believe that you sent me. All the glory that you have given to me, I pass on to them. May that glory unify them and make them one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be refined so that all will know that you sent me. And you love them in the same way you love me. And he says, I don't just pray for my disciples, I pray for those who come after them. That's what he says in this prayer. That's us. God longs for us to be one. Yes, I I know. We come from different cultures. We come from different places. We come from different mindsets. We come from different perspectives. It, It doesn't really matter. Because we can have all of those and still be one in Christ. Because what matters is that we have the mindset of Jesus as it is said in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mindset be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What mindset was that? The mindset that was willing to let go of the grip of all that he had so that he can come and serve us. To come and be with us. To come and die for us. So that he could accept us as we were and inspire us to greater heights. So what does that look like? Well, there's this great... I'm going to drink some water, by the way. Yes, all of a sudden I see people going, okay, it's, it's a break, break time. I love this little story in the Old Testament here. Amalek came and fought Israel, a Rephidim. Moses ordered Joshua, select some men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will take my stand on top of the hill holding God's staff. So Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek. And catch this and Moses, Aaron and Hur, H-U-R Went to the top of the hill. And it turned out that whatever Moses, whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was what? Winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. That gives you some motivation to keep your hands up, right? But it says Moses' hands got what? Tired. Tired. Are you guys okay with me challenging us? Is that okay? We don't like to hear challenges, and I, I get it. I, I know sometimes. I'm not castigating you. In fact, I, I think the world of you as a church. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say next. But it is important for us to understand that there have been leaders in this church who have been holding their hands up high for many, many many years, before I even came. And they are getting tired. And they need some Aaron's and Hur's to come beside them. This is what the Bible says. So they got a stone and set it under him. He sat on it, and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side. How awesome is that? So his hands remained steady until the sun went down, and Joshua defeated Amalek and its army in battle. That's what it looks like. What it looks like is people coming together, worshiping, praising God, making the sun stand still. But but when they get tired, they. The others are holding them up, and they're younger, and they can make this happen. They can help. This is what we need. When we're talking about growing younger, we're not talking about just concentrating on the young people. We're talking about young people helping our seasoned members to hold up their hands and learn from them so that we can continue doing the work that we have to do until Jesus returns. That's what church is about, to come together, all of us, loving each other, every day you serve your family, your families and communities as engineers, as doctors, as mechanics, as teachers, as carpenters, as builders, as artists, as moms, as dads, and that is so absolutely commendable because I know you, you do it really well. But today, God is asking us to serve as warriors. Warriors, not warriors, warriors for Him. And let me tell you what aches my heart. And if this is not you, that's okay. In fact, some of you, you should leave. This is not about you. Some of you are so devoted that it just blows my mind. Some of you work so hard and it just blows my mind. But here's what breaks my heart. In a church that is so loving and so devoted and so generous, I don't understand why. And and by the way, if you're a visitor here, please know that I am going really deep on this. This is one of the most loving and most devoted churches you're going to come to. Just know that. But it breaks my heart when I see children's Sabbath schools without enough teachers leaving A faithful few to carry the load. It breaks my heart that we don't have enough help so that we can continue having a children's church just once a month. And children is something this church values. Amen? Amen. We talk about it all the time. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that our ministries, our leaders, who are leaders of these ministries, who are so faithful and so, so creative in how they, they use their, their, their funds, are struggling financially, scraping to make the most of what God has called them to accomplish. Now, this is a generous church. I don't get it. I don't know if we need to educate. I don't know if we need to figure out what's going on here. But, uh, and maybe, maybe, we, maybe we need to help each other through this. This has been heavy on my heart. And Nancy and I just spoke about it yesterday. We're, we're going to... And just so you know, this is a sacrifice for us, but we're going to make a large donation here next week. And I, I'm not going to tell you how much, and I'm not going to tell you, you know, this is not, I'm only telling you this to let you understand something. That if I'm going to talk to you about this, then I better do it too. Does that make sense? So I, I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching at us. I'm not just challenging you, I'm challenging us. And I'm, gonna, and, and I'm not talking about time, I'm going to make a large donation to church budget. That's what pays for all the things that need to be done for us to carry forward the work that God has put in our hearts to do. And I hope you join me. I hope you do that also. It breaks my heart that we struggle to engage more people in serving within the context of their gifts. Some of you have been coming to church for many, many years, and you have never made a decision to be baptized, that breaks my heart. You know me, I don't push you. I rarely ever speak like this from the pulpit, those of you who know me well. But I got to tell you right now, God has asked me to take you out of lukewarmness into hot. At the end of the day, when it's all over, I don't want to go to God and say, hey, Where's the church? And he's going, I just spit them out because they were lukewarm. We need Aaron's and her's coming beside us holding our arms up. We have so much left to do. I love this quote by Jim Cimbala I despair. Jim Sembala was the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle for many years. He started off with, with a handful of, of broken, disunited people and somehow turned it out to be one of the biggest churches in New York. Unbelievable. And if you've not read his book, page 23, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Look it up. Great quote right here, man. I despair at the thought that my life might pass me by without God moving greatly on our behalf. I despair at the thought that my life might pass me by without God moving greatly on our behalf. I despair at the thought that I'd be more worried about my sob than I would be about the church. I despair at the thought that I'd be more worried about things that that just are so meaningless and not not care about the church that we serve. I despair at the thought that I could spend so much time doing nonsense and not enough time doing God's work. I love this quote by Ellen G. White. She wrote, If Christians and can I just can I change this a little bit? If the Richland Seventh day Adventist Church were to act in concert, moving forward as one under the direction of one power for the accomplishment of one purpose, the Richland Seventh day Adventist Church would move the world. So I've told you what breaks my heart. Let me tell you what warms my heart real quick here. This is by far the most loving and devoted church I've ever passed in 30 years of my life. I am telling you, man. It doesn't stop me from challenging us, but I am so proud of you guys. Every one of you I've seen you. I've seen you deal with, with visitors. I've seen you deal with, with people that most churches were marginalized. You guys accept them. You love them unconditionally. It's radical. It's, your patience and gentleness is exemplary. I, I, it blows my mind when I see it. You, you, some of you guys work every week with those children across the street. And you may never know whether or not they come across the threshold of eternity, but you don't care. All you care about is blessing them. That just warms my heart. Some of you you are are, are donating for the diapers and you're giving out diapers. We give away a third of a million diapers a year. That blows my mind. That warms my heart. We are truly the church that accepts, that serves, and that loves like Jesus. And all I want to do is to help you learn what your gifts are and then use them for God's glory. Amen? Amen. So I'll finish with this. I read about an African tribe. And when a woman in this tribe would become pregnant she goes out into the wilderness with a handful of close friends and together they pray and they meditate until they have heard what they call the song of the child. See they recognize that every life has its own vibration that expresses its unique essence and purpose. And when these women who are surrounding this pregnant woman are attuned to that song, they sing it out loud. And it's it's a unique song for each new babe. And then they return to the tribe and then they teach it to everyone else. Here's the song. And then when the child is born, the community gathers around the mom and the dad and the baby. And they sing the child's song to him or to her. So the very first sounds that this baby hears are the sounds of the song. And later when the child begins to speak and learn the village gathers once again and teaches him or her this wonderful song. When the child passes through the initiation into adulthood, the people again come together and sing with the child who is now an adult. And then at the time of marriage, The person hears his or her song during the ceremony accompanied by the song of their loved one. So they're singing now his song and her song together. Are you catching this? They're all singing it together. And then finally, when he or she is about to pass from this world, The family and friends gather the person's bed, around the person's bed, just as they did around the birth, and they sing the person into their sleep. They call it their life song. Now, there is one other occasion upon which the village can sing the song to the child. It doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes, if at any time, doing his or her life, the person commits a crime, or in a barren act that would hurt somebody else, the individual is called to the center of the village. And around him or her, the people form a circle. And they begin to sing the song to the individual over and over and over again to remind that individual what their life song is supposed to be. Until that individual begins to cry and begins to ask for forgiveness. The tribe recognizes that true repentance does not come from punishment. It comes from love and the remembrance of their person's identity. We are a church with, filled with unique individuals. And all of us have our own life song. Let's sing it to each other. Let's learn it together. We are, help you, we are here to help you learn that song. We are here to work it together so that we can sing this song so loud. So that when we're all singing our own individual song, somehow it sounds all united as one. And the community looks at us and says, what is going on over there? As God brings us together, amen? So we're committed to togetherness here as one of our values And we'll talk about another one next week. I will be here, come back, and let's continue talking about our values. Amen? Man, thank you so much, man. I've been blessed. Brian, man, you're awesome. Thank you for being up there. I know, I don't mean to call you out, man, but you blessed me today. I I just, I think it's amazing, isn't it, that we have such a wonderful, yeah, man, God is... Father, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for all those who, who work tirelessly every day, Lord. Please, Father, there may be somebody in this room that is gifted in working with children or somebody in here that that has resources that we may not understand and know about or or somebody in here that wants to serve in one way or another lord and maybe we're not we're not tapping into that and, and maybe it's our fault lord but please lord help us to 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 find them and 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 get them involved lord because there is no greater fulfillment than the fulfillment of working for you and your church in ways that furthers your kingdom lord i know that i know that and i thank you for that we love you lord thank you so much for this church and for the ability to praise your name every day of our lives until we breathe our last breath in jesus name i pray this amen